And Mrs. Cox, thank you. We're not used to saying that, but she just got married, and so I thought that it was appropriate to refer to her as Mrs. Cox. I have a little bit of a problem of being patient. Do you? Of waiting on things. I try, but, you know, it just doesn't work out that well for me. I mean, even when Linda's popping popcorn, she puts it in the microwave. It's supposed to take two minutes, and you stand there watching it. Come on, pop, do something. But you put it in there, and just, it just seems like it takes an eternity. And then uh, when you get on your computer, it has that little circle. goes round and round and round. And you start talking to it. What are you going to do? You're just going to go round all day? You're going to do something. It just goes round and round. Sometimes it never does anything. Then whenever I leave here, I either leave on Hampton Street or Washington Street to go to Bull Street to turn on that. Have you ever sat there at that red light? 13 minutes. I mean, 13 minutes I'm sitting there waiting for that light to change. Probably most of us have some difficulty waiting, and and in our text today, we see the Hebrews in that position. They have come to a place where they are having to wait. God had freed them from Egyptian bondage, and now then they are on the way to the promised land. They have come to Sinai, and Moses goes to meet with God and he is gone for 40 days and the people grew weary of waiting. They got tired of waiting. Now here's the problem. When we become weary in waiting, when we should be waiting, we are vulnerable to making bad decisions. And that's what happened to Israel. They were weary in waiting on Moses to return. As a result of that, they made a bad decision that we're going to look at today. Another example would be King Saul. Saul was going to lead the Hebrews to battle against the Philistines, but before they went to battle, Samuel was supposed to come and offer a sacrifice. But Samuel didn't show up when Saul thought that he should be there. And so the Bible says, now he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Problem, he did not have the authority to do that. The result, he lost his kingdom. Folks, when God leads, we follow. When God pauses, we wait. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain... The people assembled before Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. 
Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Now as we look at this passage of Scripture, what I want you to see is that Aaron made some bad decisions. And folks, I, I, I believe that the basic difference between success and failure in life is not our ability, but the decisions we make. Sometimes we just make bad decisions and we suffer the consequence as a result of those decisions. So in verse number one it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled before Aaron and said to him, Come make us a God that will go before us. Now at this point Aaron had to make a decision. Who was going to be his authority? In other words, who was, going, who was he going to listen to? Who was going to be the authority for him? Was it going to be God or was it going to be people? Now the obvious choice would be God. Because God had provided for them when the famine came. God had Joseph in place to be able to take care of them during the time of famine. So God had provided for them. God had released them. From Egyptian bondage he raised up Moses and said Moses I want you to go and lead these people to freedom and that happened God sent the plagues to force Pharaoh to allow them to leave so God had provided that for them when they came to the Red Sea they are fleeing from the Egyptians they turn around and see the Egyptian army behind them the Red Sea is in front of them and the Bible says that God parted the Red Sea. They went across on dry land. God had provided for them. So, why then would they conclude that God could not take them into the promised land? God had provided for them. God had protected them. So the obvious choice for his authority would be God. Why don't I listen to God? Because God has provided for me. But he listened to the people. Verse number 2, And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. You see, they wanted uh, another God. These are the people of God. They are the chosen of God. These are the Jews. These are the Hebrews. Why then would they be vulnerable to such a decision, such idolatry? Well, if you go back and look at it, you will see that even though they had been freed from Egypt, they had not completely abandoned the idolatry of Egypt. While they were in Egypt, they were influenced by the idolatry of Egypt. Now then, they are freed 
but they are not totally free from idolatry. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse number 8, but they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. They did not cast away the detestable things of their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Even though they had been given freedom, they were no longer in Egypt. The residue of the idolatry of the Egyptians was still with them. So they wanted another god. And in verse number 4, the Bible says, He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. You know the thing that is a little surprising? God had just given them a command concerning this very thing. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. That was the command that God had given to them. They knew the command. As a matter of fact, they were still in the place where God gave the command. So they knew the command that God had given that they were not to have idols they were in the place where God had given them the command. And I suppose the thing that is most surprising to me is that Aaron was complicit in this. Aaron had been the spokesman for God. When God said to Moses, I want you to lead my people, Moses said, I can't do that. He said, I can't speak. I'm slow of tongue. I'm not able to do that. And God said, is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. So God said, well, okay, Moses, if you can't do it, then how about your brother Aaron? Let's let him do it. So Aaron then had been the spokesman for God. When they were in Egypt and the plagues came, Aaron was a part of it. He was a part of the leadership with Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, Aaron was the one who was left in charge. And yet he was complicit in this. Folks, we have to choose our authority. And just as Aaron did, so do you. Who is the authority in your life? Is it God or is it people? Paul warned us in Galatians, but even though we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If I or anyone else says to you something contrary to the word of God, you should not follow that. Who is the authority for you? Is it God or is it people? Because when we accept a different authority, we always compromise our values. Now listen, your authority will determine your values. What is the authority? Who is the authority in your life? Because that determines your values. And if it is anyone or anything other than God, then you will compromise the values that you have been taught. We see that in verse number 5. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now that is 
interesting to me, that verse, because he made an idol. They are going to worship the idol, and he referred to it as a what? Feast to the Lord. Do you see the compromise? It is an idol, but in the practicality of it, he said, what you are doing is observing a feast to the Lord. There are many examples in Scripture where people compromise their worship of God. Cain and Abel, they both offered a sacrifice to God. Abel's was accepted, Cain's was not. The Bible says in Hebrews, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Then there's the story of the compromise of Balaam who sold his religion to the highest bidder. Peter said, forsaking the right way, they have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But unless we were to become too proud in our commitment, the truth of the matter is that we also are tempted and sometimes yield to the temptation to compromise our values as well, especially when it comes to uncomfortable doctrines. When the doctrines we hold become uncomfortable to us and people begin to criticize them, then our temptation is that we compromise those doctrines. For instance, the doctrine of salvation, the Bible says very clearly, in fact, uh, Steve mentioned one of the verses earlier, that there is salvation in only Jesus Christ. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the only name. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. The Bible says that throughout, that throughout the New Testament, that Jesus is the only way of your salvation. Paul says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy and grace he has saved us. But then people tell us, well, you know, that's too exclusive. The idea that only those in Christ can be saved, well, we see that attacked all the time today. That only those in Christ can be saved, that's too exclusive. And so then we are tempted to compromise that idea and say, well, uh, you know, we're all going to the same place. We're just going in different directions. How can you do that? We're all going to the same place. We're just going different directions. So when, when the doctrine of salvation, which is very clear in Scripture, becomes uncomfortable to us, we're tempted to compromise it. Purity? God said that you are to be holy. Be holy for I'm holy. God says that we are to be holy. If we name His name, we are supposed to be holy. But in our modern world, that's uh, too narrow. In fact, I hear, and so do you, whenever people are going away from the Word of God in its call to holiness, they say, well, I'm evolving in that. You know, me, I'm evolving in some of these things. No, you're not. You're disobeying God. But we're tempted to compromise doctrines when they become uncomfortable to us. Even, even money, the Bible says, can be our idol. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil doesn't say money is. Money is all spiritual. It is neither spiritual nor is it unspiritual. Neither one's how you use it. It is all spiritual. It is neither. But when you love it, that's the problem. 
it becomes an idol. You say, well, how, how do I know if I really love money? Well, is it an end within itself or is it a means to an end? Because I believe that when money becomes an end within itself, then it becomes an idol. When it is a means to an end, then God can use it for something good. So such compromise is condemned. When we compromise the values that are taught to us in the Word of God, then that is condemned. In verse number 9, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. They are an obstinate people. God condemned their behavior. Matthew Henry wrote, the righteous God sees not only what we do, but what we are. Not only the actions of our lives, but the dispositions of our spirit. Folks, you have to understand when we intentionally disobey the word of God, compromise the values that he has taught, it is condemned by God. It was condemned by God. In verse number 22, And Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself, that they are prone to evil. Aaron tried to shift the, the blame to the people. He says, You know how these people are. I guess they were Baptists, I don't know. He said, you know how these people are. Matthew Henry wrote, Sin is a brat that nobody is willing to own. When we choose a wrong authority, we compromise our values. When you choose a wrong authority, you're going to compromise your values. And there are always consequences. I heard or read an article recently that said the problem with a lot of people today is that something on the surface or at the beginning seems like the right thing to do, but they don't consider the results of the action. When my children were young and they were going up, I said, don't ever start down a road if you don't know where it's going. You always need to know the, the, the consequence of your action because there is always consequence with action, whatever you do. There is a consequence that goes with it. So Moses rebuked Aaron. And the reason for that is because when we ignore God's law, others fall. Look at verse number 21. Then Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such great sin upon them? Do you see what happened? Aaron's sin caused them to fall. His disobedience caused them to fall and that's the reason that Moses rebuked him. When a church ignores the doctrines of God, it causes its members to fall. Oh, I know there's a temptation. I know that there's because see, uh, preachers are just like you. We want to be liked. I want you to like me. But I know sometimes if I say something, you're probably not going to like it. But then I have to ask the question, you know, do, do I want to be pleasing to God or do I want to be pleasing to you? And as much as I want to be pleasing to you, first of all, I have to be pleasing to God. And the only way I can do that is to be loyal to God's word. When, when a church compromises the doctrines that are in the word of God, it causes the people to fall. As much of a temptation as there might be, if there is an uncertain word in the pulpit, then the people in the pew fall. 
when the government legalizes sin, it results in immoral citizens. I'm astounded today when I see the things that are happening in our land and people wring their hands and say, what in the world's going on? Are you kidding me? Is it because Donald Trump is in the White House? Is it because of the Congress? Is it because of the courts? What is it? Folks, it is that we have abandoned the foundation of Christ on which this nation was built. And when the government decides to legalize that that God has condemned, then the citizens do the things that we see being done. So there is rebuke. And then we deceive ourselves into believing that something else is responsible for the result, not our sin. And that's always been true. I mean, you go back to Adam and Eve, and Adam uh, disobeyed the Lord, but when he was confronted by God, God was not unhappy. He thought because of his sin, it was Eve. You know, Lord, that woman that you gave me, I didn't ask for her. But you gave her to me, and she has led me astray. Aaron found several to blame for his sin. First of all, he blamed Moses in verse number 22. Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself, that they are prone to evil. Moses, you knew how these people are. You're gone for 40 days, for heaven's sake. I mean, we've been down here for four. I've been trying to keep them in line for 40 days. And you've been out. They don't know where you were. Moses, you should have come back earlier. You, you know that. You should have come on back down here because you know these people are prone to evil. So the first thing he did was to blame Moses for it. Moses, it's your fault. And then he blamed the people in verse number 23. For they said to me, make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt... We do not know what has become of him. It's the people's fault. They are the ones who are at fault. It's not me. It's the people at fault. Matthew Henry wrote, Aaron was now the chief magistrate and had power over the people and yet pleads that the people overpowered him. Moses, don't get mad at me. It's these people. You know how rebellious, how obstinate they are? It's their fault. And then he blamed God. Look at verse number 24. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out jumped this calf. That sounds like a seven-year-old boy, doesn't it? I didn't have anything to do with it. I just threw a bunch of gold in there and out jumped this calf. So God must have done it. God must have made that. One commentator said he insinuates that when he cast the gold into the fire, it came out but not a word of his graving and fashioning it. God must have done it. He doesn't say anything about that I made it. I fashioned it. I formed it. It just jumped out. So God must have done it. But here's the thing. Even in the aggravation and the foolishness of sin, we must continue to intercede for the sinner. See, that's the church. 
even in the foolishness of others' sin, we must continue to intercede, which is what Moses did, verse number 11. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God. When Moses found out about this, what did he do? He went to the Lord in prayer. Folks, when you and I watch the news, we see whatever is happening, and we see it contrary to the Word of God, it should drive us to our knees. It really should. We should be on our knees before God praying for our condition. Moses in his prayer appealed to God's provision in verse 11. O Lord, why doth thine anger burn against thy people whom thou hast brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He said, God, you provided us with freedom. This freedom that we have, God, you gave it to us. You gave us the freedom. So he appeals to God's provision and he appeals to God's reputation in verse number 12. Why should the Egyptians speak saying with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy burning anger and change thy mind about doing harm to thy people. God, if you destroy this people, he said, it, it, it's, it's going to be harmful to your reputation. Matthew Henry wrote, if Israel could perish without any reproach to God's name, Moses could persuade himself to sit down contented. But he cannot bear to hear God's name reflected on. And therefore this he insists upon, Lord, what will the Egyptians say? If you have a love for the Lord, You don't want to bring reproach to his name. That is one thing I have prayed through the years is God never let me bring reproach on your name. I have even prayed. I'm not sure that I meant it. I think I did. But Lord, I'd rather for you to take me first than allow me to bring reproach on your name. See, that was Moses' concern that God's name would suffer reproach and God was merciful. In verse 14, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. God is ready to respond in mercy to our sin. And it's interesting to me the description of the, of the Hebrews here. In verse number 7, they are your people, Moses' people. Verse number 9, they are obstinate people. And verse number 14, they are his people, God's people. God's merciful. But if they insisted on sin, God would give them to it. In verse number 20, and he took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink it. Their sin became the basis of their judgment. They created an idol, God ground it into powder, and they had to drink it. My friend, if you insist on having your sin, eventually God will give you to it. If you insist on holding on to your sin, there will come a time when God will give you to that sin. So the Bible says in Romans 1.24, Therefore God gave them over 
to the lust of their heart. In Romans 1.28, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And that leads to death. Verse 27. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. So the sons of, Israel, of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3,000 men of the people fell on that day. See, that's the thing. I, I, I hope that you and I understand is that uh, sin leads to death. The Bible says in the Old Testament that if you eat it, you'll die. In the New Testament, the wages of sin is death. So let me conclude. Who is the authority you listen to? Is it God? Is it people? Who is your authority? That's very important. Are you compromising the Word of God? Because there are consequences regarding your choice. Our Father, I pray that you will examine our hearts today and that we might look at how we are deceiving ourselves and places where we are compromising. Lord, I just pray for those who have never come to the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would. I pray for others who need to make commitments that they would do so in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing. We extend an invitation for you to respond to the Lord. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to trust Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.
we have our uh, deacons meeting this Monday night, and uh, 